have seen absolutely do awesome things in our midst. Number one, the Word of God. Number two, praise God, the Spirit of God. And number three, the Spirit of prayer. If a church is going to have revival, the church must have the Spirit of prayer. You know, it's one thing to have a prayer meeting, but it's another thing to have the spirit of prayer accompanying you in that prayer meeting. I mean, it's one thing to pray, but it's another thing to pray with the spirit of God attending your way and helping you to be laser sharp concerning prayer. Amen. And so, you know, you've heard the term that we might as well just dance with the one that brung us. So don't look for me to change. Don't look for me to compromise the word. Don't look for me to quench the spirit. And don't look for me to pray any less. We're going to word up more. We're going to have a greater move of the Holy Ghost than we've ever had before. And we're going to have a greater spirit of prayer than we've ever had before. Amen? Glory to God. He said that my house, my house, this is not my house, this is his house. He said, my house shall be called the house of prayer. You know, when you look at the life of Jesus, and turn over to Mark chapter 1, verse 35. When you look at the life of Jesus, you can very clearly see that his life was one of fellowship with the Father, and his life was one of prayer. In Mark 1.35, it says, And in the morning he rose up a great while before day, and he went out, and he departed into a solitary place, and there prayed. I believe that everyone ought to have a place of prayer, a place where you can pray. It may be your car. It may be your closet. It might be your easy chair at home. But we all must have a place of prayer where the distractions of this age do not come in and choke the spirit of prayer in our lives. And so Jesus is our example. He went into this solitary place and there prayed. Amen. And the Bible says of him that because of his intercessory prayer ministry, he is the great intercessor. The scripture says that he is ever able to save to the uttermost those that come unto him. Now you will see in his ministry that they came to him from every quarter. I mean, they came from all over the place once they heard and saw the miracles in which he did. And as a result of his fresh fellowship with the Father and his anointing with the Holy Spirit and with the spirit of prayer, he was able to minister fresh manna He was able to minister healing. He was able to raise the dead, to feed the multitudes, and do awesome works in the mighty name of Jehovah. Amen? Amen. And the Bible says that today he is even seated at the right hand of God. And the scripture says that he ever liveth to make intercession for us. I am glad that the great intercessor is praying for me. I'm glad that the great intercessor is praying for you. Oh, thank God his eyes are on us. And I love it, don't you? 
So there are, you know, a couple of different dimensions of prayer, actually more than that. But of course, there's personal prayer and uh, there's that time where we have fellowship with him. But then also there is intercessory prayer where we take the place of another and where we stand in the gap for a nation, where we stand in the gap for someone that's lost, where we stand in the gap and take the place of the person that is sick and diseased and we pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. You see, we need to understand this, that Christ lives in us. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians six seventeen that when we are joined unto the Lord, that we become one spirit with Him. He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. I love that. Now what this means to me is not only am I a new creation in Christ... And not only do you have rights and privileges as a result of being in Christ and Christ being in you, not only are you an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ, not only are you are more than a conqueror through Him that loved you, not only are you the righteousness of God in Christ, not only do you have redemption in Him through Jesus Christ, but you also are one with Him in His great ministry of intercession. Think about it. I am one, and you are one with the greatest prayer of all time. Woo, glory to God. And if you will get close to Him and function and operate in fellowship with Him and draw nigh to Him, you will definitely pick up on what is in His heart. And I'll tell you what is in His heart. Souls are in His heart. People are in his heart. Diseased are in his heart. People that are backslidden are in the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when your heart beats with his heart, you'll pick up your Holy Ghost cues from him and you'll be able to enter into the realm of the Spirit and pray in the Spirit and be one with the great intercessor. Amen. And so then, it is my responsibility and your responsibility individually to follow his example of prayer. But we are not just individuals. We are also Christians incorporated into a corporate body. And as Christians, we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. But as the day approaches, we are to gather ourselves and assemble ourselves together all the much more exhorting one another because Jesus is coming soon. And so when we come together, there is assembly required. And one of the things that God requires of an assembly is that they incorporate and that they have corporate united prayer one with another and they pray what is in the heart of the Father. Amen. Glory to God. And so praying is not difficult. Praying is not meant to be difficult. Praying is simply communing with the Father. Praying is fellowshipping with the one who gave his son for you. 
Now, a lot of people don't pray is because they're battling what we call a lack of knowledge. But if you come to this church on a regular basis, you're not ignorant. You are not captive. You have been given the Word. And now we are being doers of the Word of God. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, what you're going to have to battle is what all of us have to battle, and it's called the flesh. When it comes to corporate prayer, and we're going to be having a lot of corporate prayer this fall. We're going to be having a wonderful prayer seminar called Breaking Through Every Barrier. We're bringing in a person from Australia to teach us and to lead us in prayer. And the spirit of prayer is going to be so predominant, not only from September 19th to the 21st, but Saturday morning at men's prayer and Wednesday morning at women's prayer. And every time we come together, the spirit of prayer is going to be predominant. But I'm telling you, your flesh will fight you. Your flesh will fight you and try to keep you on the couch instead of coming to prayer meetings. Your flesh will fight you and try to keep you on the couch rather than coming to the prayer seminar. Have you ever noticed that the persistence of the flesh when it comes to prayer, there is that persistence trying to keep you down and to hold you back. And I say he can't do it. Why? Because we turn our will toward him. Look with me in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 38. Right on through verse 42. Everyone say corporate prayer is required in an assembly. The spirit of prayer is predominant in this assembly. Hallelujah! And I don't care whether you pray one word in tongues... Just keep praying that word and praying that word and praying that word and God will give you more words. And I don't care whether you pray in other tongues or not. You come and pray in English. You can pray with the spirit of prayer in English as well. So there are no excuses for people not participating in prayer. Amen. Notice with me in Matthew 26, 38. Then saith he unto them, my soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry here now and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to one of his disciples, and he found him asleep. And he said unto him, Peter, what? Could you not watch with me for one hour? Verse 41. I want you to read that with me. Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but what? The flesh is weak. What was the temptation in this case? The temptation was to fall asleep. 
One of the greatest temptations in the body of Christ today is to be asleep at the wheel. This is not a day for us to be down below in the ship sleeping. This is a day for all hands to be on deck to be alert because the night is far spent and the day of the Lord is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light knowing that it is high time that we awake out of sleep. There's got to be a stirring in the realm of the Spirit. There's got to be a stirring in our hearts for prayer. Everyone say prayer. Prayer. Verse 42. And he went again the second time. And he prayed and said, Oh, my Father, if this cup may not pass from me except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again For their eyes were heavy. I got news for you. There are going to be days and times where your eyes are heavy. And your flesh is weak. But you can do something about your flesh. You are not flesh. You are not a body. You are a spirit being. And the Holy Spirit lives in your spirit. And He will quicken you. And not only that, but you can do something about your old nasty flesh. You can present it to God as a living sacrifice. Look at Hebrews, or Romans 12, 1. Romans 12, 1. Romans 12, 1, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Now notice that you... The you that he's talking about is your spirit man. You are a spirit. You have a soul and you live in a body. You who are a spirit are to order your mind and your body around. Your body is not to order you around. You are, order, you are to order your body around. And so he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, that who? That you. You... Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, your rational service. One translation says, which is your spiritual worship. Have you ever stopped to think about it? When you take charge of your body and you demand your body to do what it's supposed to do, The Bible looks at that as worship. Think about it. Amen. Think about it. Now look at 1 Corinthians 9, verse 27. 1 Corinthians 9, 27 says, But I, I, that's the same as you, I is the spirit man. He says, But I keep under my body. In other words, I don't let my body dominate me. I dominate my body. But I keep under my body and I bring it. Notice he calls his body an it. And that's exactly what your body is. It's just an old it. And you watch what happens to your old it when you leave it. Your old it ain't going with you. You're going to get a new it. It's going to be a glorified body. Glory to God. I keep under my body and I bring it into subjection. The word subjection simply means submission. 
He says, lest that by any means, while I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway, or I myself should be disqualified, or be unfit for what God has called me to do. Now, God has called this church to do a lot. But the church is only as strong as the people in the church. And so let's not look at the, at the church as some sort of an institution. When we look at one another, let's look at one another as the church. We are the temples of the Holy Spirit, the temples of the living God. We are the church of the living God. Oh, glory to God. And so every one of us have a call unto Him, a call unto Him to draw near to Him. And every one of us have a call to the spirit of corporate and united prayer. Everyone say united prayer. In the early 1980s, when Brenda and I came to California, we came in 1982 and our first Sunday was July 4th of 1982. Our lives and our ministry was greatly impacted by a Korean pastor by the name of Dr. Cho. Dr. Cho Yonggi or Dr. Chunggi Yo, no matter however you want to say it. Dr. Cho Yonggi. Amen? And so we uh, saw in this church an absolute renewal of prayer. And it swept through our church. And as a result, we started experiencing tremendous results. Results that we could not bring about in our own thinking. Things that we couldn't figure out, things that we couldn't analyze. Ministries were birthed out of this ministry. People were sent to various places. Buildings began to turn up and to show up. People started coming from the north and from the south and from the east and from the west. Multicultural people came from all different cultures in the Bay Area. And when we started in 82, it was not that way. But I believe that as we united ourselves in the spirit of prayer, in the corporate anointing of prayer, calling upon the Lord to do the exceeding abundantly of things above all that we can ask or think, that God heard from heaven, heard the cry of faith, and began to do some awesome things in our midst. This occurred in the 80s, right on through the 80s. And many of you were here in that time, but many of you were not. And so what I want as the pastor, just about more than anything, I want a revival, a renewal in the spirit of corporate united prayer in this church. To where it is not just one or two, 
but where people come together hungry for God, hungry for a move of God in their own life, and hungry for a greater move of God in the church, and hungry for a greater move of God in the Bay Area, and come before the throne of grace boldly and have what the Bible calls a good old-fashioned restoration in this area. This building here that we are so privileged to be able to worship in week after week and year after year represents some 30 years of God's grace. It represents 30 years of God's people praying and people faithfully from past decades that have been faithful to pray until present people are bringing their supply of the Spirit. And this building is nothing more than a harvest barn. This building represents a ministry and gives us a vehicle to take us into fulfilling God's vision for us. Now, you've all been to SFO, you've all been to Oakland International, perhaps you've been to San Jose, or maybe you've been to JFK, and you will see the jumbo jets. The jumbo jets are the 777s, the jumbo jets are the 747s, and I think that they're even coming out now with 787s that have not quite yet been uh, released for you know, passengers at this point. But without the proper fuel and without refueling, that 747 is not going to make it to Singapore tomorrow morning. A 747 that is empty of fuel, I got news for you, is not going anywhere and I don't want on it if it's trying to go somewhere. Are you listening to me? And a church, if you will, could be just like a 747. A church needs a constant resupply and refueling of the Word of God and the constant refueling of the spirit of prayer for us to fly and to be consistent and to reach a harvest. Come on, somebody say amen. What I'm saying to you tonight is this. We must have a constant supply of prayer fuel. A constant supply of service where the people come together and they understand that they're no longer saved to sit, but they are saved to serve. And they're not only longer saved to be silent, but they're saved to speak up. They're saved to declare what God's word declares. They're saved to pray what God's word. I'm getting excited tonight. You see, that 747 is constantly being serviced. It takes a lot of people to prepare for a flight. It takes a lot of people on the ground. It takes a lot of people in the background. It takes some cleaning. It takes maintenance. All things working together for the good of that flight. All components in the body of Christ must work together for the good of the advancement of the kingdom of God here in the Bay Area. 
And I'm here to tell you that there must not be and there never should be any unused members. All have a supply. Somebody say, well, you know, I'm on the ground. I'm not doing much. Yes, you are doing much. If you're doing what God has called you to do, you're doing much. Let's raise our hands and thank Him tonight. Father, we thank You for the spirit of prayer. Let's just invite the spirit of prayer into this place. Father, we invite the spirit of prayer, the spirit of revival into our hearts, Lord. Oh, my, 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 my. Cosembre neshelamato. Obra pasikele mondea. Thank you, Lord. A constant supply. And I wish I could tell you that we're at 100%, but we're not. Yeah, there is prayer. And yes, there is service. But there is a greater supply that's needed if we're going to move strong into our future. Are you hearing me? The future is bright. But it is a reminder to each and every one of us, not only the Wednesday night crew, but the Sunday morning crew, everybody. It's a reminder. We must walk and maintain union with Him and walk in the light of the Word of God that's already been revealed. And I think that one thing that's been revealed, and I'm looking at Tony here. He's been with us all these years. And I know one thing, and I'm looking at the Caldwell's been here all these years. And I can see people all over. Kathy, been with us all these years. I think one thing that is very, very clear, without prayer, we will go nowhere. Are you listening to me? Without the spirit of prayer, we will go nowhere. The good news is, is we have the spirit of prayer. And we're going to maintain it. And we're going to fuel it. And we're going to face our future. And we're going to soar with Him. Are you ready to mount up? Are you ready to mount up with wings like an eagle? And soar with Him into this decade that we face? I tell you what, I'm more stirred up now than I've ever been. Hallelujah. I can see in my spirit what God wants to do right here in the Bay Area. Glory to God. Can you handle a little bit more tonight? All right, let's look in our Bibles over to 1 Timothy chapter 2. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. And we're going to spend, you know, about 10, 15 minutes in prayer at the end of, of tonight's service. Did I uh, ever dismiss the children? I don't think I did, did I? Did they leave? Oh, they've learned to leave. Did it come up on the screen? Oh, that's awesome. Good job up there. Who is that? Is that Sloan? Okay, I can't see. All right. First Timothy chapter 2. This is the Apostle Paul talking. He says, Now I exhort therefore that first of all supplications and prayers, intercessions, everyone say intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, 
for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who had all men, who would have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. So we see here that prayer is good. That it's good to intercede. That it's good to make supplication. That it's good to pray for presidents. It's good to pray for kings. It's good to pray for mayors. It's good to pray for one another. Look at your neighbor and say, prayer is good. Say it again. Prayer is good. And when something is good, it's God. Hallelujah. Now notice in verse 4, who will. So we see the will of God here. Who will have all men to be what? It is the will of God for your boss to be saved. It is the will of God for the people that you see on 880 and 680 and I-5 and 101 and whatever else, 580, 238. It's the will of God for them to be saved. It is the will of God. For the prostitute to be saved. It is the will of God. For the crack addict to be saved. It is the will of God. For those in the Castro district to be saved. It is the will of God. Settle it. Some of you got to pray not my will Lord. Because if we went by the flesh we'd say cook them. But that ain't right. And that ain't God. And that ain't mercy. Who will? This is the will of God for the San Francisco Bay Area. He will have all men to be saved. But not only to be saved and stay ignorant... But to get saved and get some knowledge. Amen. Because the knowledge of the Word of God will not only set you free, but if you continue in it, it'll keep you free. Amen. He said, who will have all men to be saved? Now notice, read the rest with me. And to come unto the knowledge of the truth. To come where? To come where? The the what does the truth do? The truth. You got it. And whom the Son is set free is free indeed. Ooh, glory. So here it is. Not only do you have the spirit of prayer, but you also have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Because prayers that draw near to God have a great relationship with Him and they get to know God. 
And they that know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. Oh, Lord Jesus. And so, not only expect the spirit of prayer to grow and to increase in your life in days and months ahead, but also expect the spirit of wisdom and the revelation in the knowledge of Him to grow and to increase. So that when you come across people that have no knowledge, you'll be able to share with them the knowledge of the Word of God. And you know what? That's part of discipleship. He'd have all men to be saved. I want that branded in our spirit. He would have all men to be saved. And to come to the knowledge of the truth. Oh, thank you. So we're going to center in now on the weeks that I have before September 5th, which we're going to be switching gears in September, and I'll be sharing with you corporately as a church what we're going to be doing in September on Wednesday night. It's going to be awesome. You'll enjoy it. You'll love it. But for the time that I have on these Wednesday evenings, I'm going to be talking to you along the subject of prayer, but we're not only going to do it by precept, we're also going to pray by example. Amen? And the one that I want to center in on is the prayer of intercession. Everyone say intercession. And so let me just introduce this to you tonight. Don't miss, if you possibly can, the evenings and Wednesdays. Let me introduce this. Intercession means simply to stand in the gap. To stand in the gap between a person or persons who have literally provoked judgment upon themselves through their wrongdoing and Actually, when you are standing in the gap, you are holding on to God for those who don't know how to hold on and reach out to God for themselves. Everyone say, I'm a gap stander. And one of the greatest examples of this, of course, in the Old Testament is Moses and also Abraham. And uh, I want to look at uh, Moses for a moment because we don't have time to look at Abraham till next week. So go over in your Bibles. Um, yeah, let's look at let's look at Genesis chapter. That's all right. Let's look at Genesis chapter eighteen. Let's look over there. Thank you, Lord. Now, if you have children tonight, I want you to go get them at quarter to nine because we're not going to be done at quarter to nine tonight. You get them at quarter to nine, you bring them back. We're just, we're just not going to be done at 15 to nine. That's all there is to it. We'll be done at 10.45. Not, not really. I, won't, I will not keep you here all night. Just relax. But I don't want to have to be hurried either. Genesis 18, verse 16, And the men rose up from thence and looked towards Sodom, and Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? 
seeing that Abraham surely shall become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him, for I know him, that he will command his children, his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. And the Lord said, because the cry, everyone say the cry. I want you to pay specific attention to the word cry. He said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now to see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is coming to me, and if not, I will know. Everyone say the cry. It is the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah. Understand here that in the Bible there's different cries. You remember that Cain took Abel's life? And the Bible said that the cry of your brother's blood is what? It's come up from the ground. There is a cry of sin that came up before the throne of God. And what that cry of sin did is it provoked judgment. Are you listening to me? Notice with me in the following verses. Smith Wigglesworth said this. He said, there's something about faith that will cause God to pass over a million people to get to the one person who's in faith. Listen, if the cry of sin will go up before the throne of God and provoke judgment, I believe that the cry of faith and the cry of mercy and the cry of those with the spirit of prayer who will stand in the gap on behalf of a nation, of a city, of a family will go up before the throne of God and it will provoke mercy. Glory to God. You see, in the spirit of faith, there's a cry going forth from this church. And the cry of the spirit of faith is, God have mercy. Lord have mercy. You know that the Bible says that our heavenly father delights in mercy. That he's a gracious God. And that he's a merciful God. But I'm telling you, the sin in this area provokes him. And if we just stand by and twiddle our thumbs and join the rest of the compromised middle church that says, yes, it's okay for same-sex marriage. Yes, it's okay to ordain homosexuals. Yes, it's okay to abort babies. If we compromise into the middle church and stand by twiddling our thumbs while the cry of sin cries out for judgment, woe be unto us. And God says, my eyes are going throughout the whole nation in this day and in this hour. 
And I'm looking for men and women who will stand in the gap and call upon my name on behalf of this nation. Who will not let this nation go to hell in a handbasket. And that's exactly where it would be heading if the salt of the earth wasn't in this nation. That's exactly where this nation would end up if you and I and thousands of others like us weren't calling on the name of the Lord. But the good news is we're calling. I said the good news is we're calling. We're crying out to God. We're praying for mercy. We're not judging people. We're not pointing our bony fingers at sinners. No, we're saying sinners, come on. Jesus already shed his blood for you. It's time for you to come into the camp of the Lord. Lord, what the Lord will do for you, he will set you free. And your life can be changed by the power. I will not join the middle compromised church. I don't care what anybody says. Who will join me in the spirit of prayer? Who will join me in the spirit of prayer? It's time that we stand up as a church and we stand up as a nation for what is right. Woo, glory to God. Look what the Lord will do. I said, look what the Lord will do. He will send forth His glory. He will send forth His power. There can be, there must be, I believe there will be an awakening in our nation. But sin cries out to God. And sin brings God on the scene. And rather than Invoking God, sin provokes God. And the word provoke means to incite to anger, to call forth, to bring on, to stir up on purpose. How many of you know that he said, my spirit will not always strive with man? Now listen, and we don't have time to look at it tonight. But why do you suppose God even bothered to come down And talk to Abraham about this. Why do you suppose? Why do you suppose he even bothered? Because he was in covenant with Abraham. And God did not want to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. He wanted Abraham to go all the way and bargain down to one. He said, if there's one righteous in the land... Will thou not spare the land for the one? But he stopped short of it. I believe this with all of my heart. That the dealings of God are strong. And that the dealings of God are sure in this day and in this hour. And I don't believe that we should be asleep at the wheel. So I want us to stand. I want us to pray for about five or ten minutes. Amen. And let us pray for this nation. Let us pray for the mercy of God. Glory to God. Just go ahead and find a place of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you this night on behalf of this nation. And we cry out for the mercy of God. Glory to God. Father, we thank you that you said in your word that righteousness is come upon all men. That righteousness has been made available to all men. 
men and women in sin, men and women that are bound, men and women that don't know you.